Hello, everyone. This is Fernando here, and this is Be Unique, the podcast for Embryo Creations. Today, we have yet another epic guest, and his name is Noah Myers, who was BA guitar slayer, may I say, and an awesome producer. And man, you got a lot going on, man. What's up? Uh, nothing much. How are you doing? Pretty swell, you know. I mean, it's kind of cold as always over here in PA, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I love but, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this guy's an awesome guy, everyone. Um, so let's start with how he began with the guitar and making music. Uh, okay, so the um, what got me into guitar at first was uh, I actually was playing uh, Guitar Hero Three. My cousin, oh. yeah, my cousin was over, and he could like play real guitar, and uh, he was like making fun of me. Not really, but you know, he was just like teasing me. He's like, uh, "Why can't you play real guitar?" Then I was like, "Well, can you show me?" And then he like showed me. Uh, I think it was like the G chord or something. Yeah. And then after that, like, because I just had a guitar laying around, so yeah. After that, I just kind of picked it up for myself and dinked around with it. <laughs> what was the first song you uh, taught yourself? Mm, I don't remember the first song like that I taught myself. I remember the first song I tried, like okay. the first song I wanted to learn was uh, this song "Cliffs of Dover" on on uh, Guitar Hero Three. It was like one of the <laughs> hardest songs in that game. And I was like, that's the first song I'm going to try to learn. And I didn't end up actually learning it for probably like eight months after I started playing. Like I constantly tried to like work on that song. So speaking of that, like what made you get into Guitar Hero anyway? Was it because of the trend or was it because you like rock, you liked rock music at the time? Um, I don't think there was anything like in particular. I think I played it like at some friend's house or something and thought it was fun and then like got it used at GameStop for like three dollars so <laughs> is that even the thing anymore I mean um Guitar Hero that used to be so popular back then and now these days it's like people forget that even exists it's like yeah it's I like don't know. blockbuster it's like blockbuster anymore <laughs> yeah it's it really like, is. <laughs> I mean I remember they tried to bring it back on the new consoles but now it's like it was an yeah. epic fail and no one cares about it anymore yeah, they could make like Trap Hero now or something. <laughs> like, so like, what was the first song you ever sang? Um, so I the first time I sang was um, whenever like we got my band going for the first time. Like we played a show at uh, the Keynote Cafe yeah. in Jeanette, and uh, the first song we sang was "Purple Haze" by Jimi Hendrix, and that was actually the first song oh. that like I ever, the first time I ever sang like in front of people. <laughs> How did that, that feel? Song. Um, I, I didn't initially even want to sing, like, I'd rather just be the guitarist at first, but mm -hmm. no one else wanted to, and I was kind of the only person willing to, so it was kind of like by, by default, I had to sing, so it wasn't yeah. like by choice even, <laughs> but I remember like, once I, once I, it's one of those things, like, once you do it for the first time, it's like, it's a lot easier to do after that type thing. So, so what would you say is your favorite type of music to sing? probably just my own music i mean i'm not the best singer so it's kind of easiest to just write stuff that fits me best Does that makes sense i don't know so you're more like a songwriter then like yeah I, i'd rather play my own stuff than like it, then just endlessly do covers i mean covers are fun if it's like something i really enjoy but yeah yeah what would be know. one uh, cover that you would like to do I, that you haven't done? Ooh, um, 
probably something like by Prince, like some crazy false. Oh snap, thing. that's crazy. Yeah. Oh my god, that's pretty hard stuff. But you can do it. Go for it, man. <laughs> I would love to see. It. I would love to see that. Um, so when it you, you talk about uh, you always like to sing your music, what do you aim to say when you write your music? I guess usually the main the main goal mm -hmm. in like my art is I try to paint like a like a picture sonically. So like I'll start with a beat or a riff or something. Yeah. And try to build off of it, like build off of the emotions that I like feel just based off of the music that I have. Mm -hmm. Then when I go to like add lyrics and melody, I, I try to like reinforce the emotions that are like already there in the music. So together, I feel like the lyrics and the music should be like some kind of immersive symbiotic relationship right. because um, I like music that's like really immersive that you can listen to it like on multiple levels and continue to find new stuff in it. So like, mysterious. Um, in a way, like, I kind of like things that are kind of vague, like abstract. Okay. Yeah. That can kind of have like a bunch of different meanings to it versus okay. like really direct stuff where it's like, you know, exactly what the person means, which I mean, there's a definitely a place for everything, but when I write my own stuff, I try to keep it kind of vague. So it's more interesting to me that way, I guess. Here's another quick question. Um, when it comes to music, I've noticed that a lot of when it comes to hip-hop, uh, I think you, you like hip-hop too, right? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to hip-hop, do you believe that it's always it always has to be direct, or do you believe that some can be abstract, like, non-direct? Because I've noticed that when it comes to hip-hop, a lot of it is like, well, it is what it is right there. But do you believe that possibly it can be abstract as well? I think it definitely can be abstract, because it all it really has to do is, like, express... All it has to do is express something in a way that gets you thinking. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like a really direct telling of a story or like mm -hmm. a lot of people rap about like things that have happened to them and stuff or like yeah. rap about things that they they rap about like fantasizing about how they want to live their lives type thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it can definitely be abstract in a way that is still moving like rap about like a lot of I think a lot of rap can be abstract like a lot of Kendrick stuff can when it gets into like socio-political stuff yeah it's like there's definitely an abstract quality to that because everyone has their own unique perspective on like society and politics so and if you can like present those ideas in a way that allows the listener to input their own opinions that makes sense yeah, I was just curious about your opinion because I noticed that a lot of people are more into hip hop, which it is it is amazing, by the way. Um, a lot of hip hop when it comes to just storytelling and talking about their life because it's relatable. But yeah. could it also be uh, abstract? Because I mean, I mean, even when it comes to party songs or um, right. like making you want to dance, it's still like direct, like you know what it's about. But is it possible, like you know, to go? It can have many, many meanings behind it. And that's something um, I've never really seen. Unless there is hip-hop out there that does do that. I've never really heard it. Yeah. Um, but that would be cool. There's actually um, a track. The track we were talking about doing the video to. I'm, it's uh, The lyrics right now are pretty abstract, but it's still going to be like... It's still got some flow to it. Like, I still want to try to rap it. Yeah, yeah. So that's... If anything, that's describing, I think, what you're talking about. is kind of the thing I've been working on the past few months. Nice. Do you want to, would you like to share a little bit of what it's about? 
Uh, do you want me to like read the first verse? Yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah, sure, dude. So let me pull it up on my, my laptop real quick. I don't have it memorized yet. I'm still working on it. <laughs> no, okay. that's cool. So the first verse goes, mm -hmm. I'll just read it off. Um, you're so lavender, extravagant, seafoam inordinate, waiting for a spark but not doing enough to light it. Unbridled anemone with time as the enemy, self-deprivation starves out the friend in me. Artificial coral to fill in the gaps, I'm just trying to lay some colors against the black. Bold without a lampshade, sculpting like a renegade, hoping for a chance to show the world all the worlds I've made. All I need is the freedom to do what I want. My imagination needs free, but the gates are shut. On the brink of collapse if I'm not pushing the front, just trying to let out all the flavors that are boiling up. Every feeling has been building like an emotional landfill. I'm recycling ambition for inspiration that's gone stale. I eat mental appetizers, trying to use them like entrees, non-consensual spiritual diet food by boredom and Gatorade. I feel like what I was going for is like expressing like almost artistic frustration in a way like feeling like suffocated under not having enough like resources in a way like, like that's kind of how I felt like mm -hmm. having I feel like my ideas like can't keep up with my access to to resources to create them like I have all this like stuff built up inside of me that I can't get out you can't let it out okay yeah okay what, inspi uh, what inspired you to like write something like that? Cause that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty new. Actually, I never really uh, heard of something like that before. I guess like what inspires me, like lyrically, is I try to create stuff that's really like colorful and vibrant. So I like I reference a lot of like visual things. Yeah. So I'll start usually just like free writing poetry, and then later mm -hmm. like I'll go in through it and adapt it to fit music. Mm -hmm. So I'll do this thing where either when I'm writing lyrics or just freeform poetry where it's like a type of astral projection, I guess it's like, I'll imagine myself walking through some kind of landscape and just like try to document it, like document how my imagination reacts to like the evolving visions. So it's, it's like a stimulated lucid dream in a way. So it's like, I feel like creating lyrics that describe visual art or like atmospheres is the mm. most honest like way of writing for me. Right. Like, which can get really abstract sometimes, but I feel like it's more, like, unique and interesting to me than, like, uh, like traditional songwriting. You're what I would call a lyrical painter, then. That's what it sounds like what you are. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. That's what I yeah. try to do, at least. Yeah, <laughs> I like, succeed you, all the time. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, it's like another a layer of paint and another layer and then another layer, and then it might look like one painting, but behind there's actually more layers that you can actually, that you would, you, that you don't know. You just gotta yeah. keep picking at it, you know. That's what that's yeah. what I would call you a lyrical painter. Uh, that's pretty cool though. That's really uh, that's really uh, unique, actually, uh, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's really cool. How long have you been doing music for? Like my earliest memories of doing music, I took mm -hmm. piano lessons when I was like seven, maybe six or seven, and I would hear like the music I'd play in, like in video games, like the music in the video games I'd play. I'd try to replicate it on piano, like I just. Yeah played by ear when I was like really young cool. and I kind of stopped playing piano for mm -hmm. a while. And then like when I re-picked up guitar, it's like I slowly got more into it. That was around, it's like the beginning of seventh grade. So I was 13. By the time I was probably like 16 was when I got like really serious about it. So I will, that sounds like seven, eight, eight, seven, eight years. Or yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, see, I'd say like, when I really took it seriously, it's probably been like three or four years. 
what made you want to take it more seriously? Because it was always like really stimulating mentally. Because it was every time I'd learn something new on guitar, it's like I'd find a new thing to be interested about. It's like when I'd go through and like try to learn like every Jimi Hendrix song or like every Led Zeppelin song, it's like I'd constantly find new ways to like play it or like new chords or like uh, every time I'd get a new like guitar pedal or something, anything that changed the sound, it was like there's always new levels to it that you can right. you can kind of dive into. So it's like I got more and more invested in it. And it was like every time you'd find a new artist, it's like you hear new sounds that you've never heard. Yeah. The same it's thing with like raps. Like everyone has their own take on you know writing a song, and everyone has yeah. their own vocabulary. So yeah, like uh, I've noticed, like like back then, like it used to be like very, 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 very in depth, but now it's it's getting more simpler and simpler and simpler. And before mm-hmm. I I used to be against that, but now now that I'm looking at it, uh, depending on the artist, of course, not like right. those uh those lazy ones, but depending on the artist, uh. It actually can be more powerful because you can actually hear each word, right? In in depth in depth more because it's, it's it's like a little bit of word instead of like da 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 da. It's just like ba 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 ba, and you get more of an impact from it because it's so much more meaningful because you actually understand uh, each verse. Right. You know? I think yeah. It's it's that's the kind of thing. It's like you can't make up for lack of lack of uh, emotional depth by like trying to put more. Mm-hmm. Like efficiency is more effective than like overall output. If right. That makes sense. So it's like you want to say stuff that means more, but if you're just like clowning it by just putting unnecessary words, or like the same with guitar. Like if I just play a bunch of like notes as fast as I can, it's like it doesn't necessarily move someone as much as like a really like emotional, well thought out, structured solo. Right. After all these years, where do you believe you developed? the most in your career Mm, i'd say uh like musical creativity so i feel like i'm the most confident like in my Mm -hmm. ability to create like sonic atmospheres musically like that's what i try to do with the solo instrumental stuff i post a lot yeah um it's like it's like abstract poetry but in like music form i guess so like each each element like represents a different color or texture like in a painting so I think that's that's like my biggest strength. I feel like is like the, just the music itself. I've noticed that because of the way how you describe how you do your music, you have a very very poetic type of vocabulary, which is really really cool. By the way, thank you. So I can tell that you're really in depth into that. When it comes to music, how do you seek opportunities? How do you go about that? I think I've been pretty lucky in the way that like most opportunities that I've been given, I've kind of just like fallen into my lap. I guess so. It's mm-hmm. like what I do more is like I obsess over constantly building like my portfolio and trying to like build my skills more. So when I come across like an opportunity, I can like capitalize on it more. I don't know if I do as much actively seeking things out, which I guess I probably should, but yeah. like stuff more just kind of, I kind of luck into stuff a lot, which is a blessing if anything. Well, that's pretty cool actually. Cause the more you build your portfolio, at least you have something to show to people to show that you know what you're doing. Right. You know, right. if someone asks you to do something like you even going to produce or someone, oh, well, here's a sample of what here's a three samples. Like some people can't even do that. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like if you can if someone asks like what you do, you want to have, you know, you want to have lots of examples of what you do. It's like you can 
tell everyone like, oh, I'm going to be like the biggest rock star, the biggest rapper ever. But if you don't actually have the stuff to back it up, yeah, then, then what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I've seen, that ha I've seen that happen countless times. A lot of musicians these days, um, they're like, hey, I want to do a... Uh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And then, okay, um, what do you have? Well, I don't have anything right now, but I believe I can do it. Well, you have right. nothing to back you up. You're just all talk. If you can't, how's yeah. the saying go? Walk to talk. If you can't walk to talk, then you know. Yeah, fake <laughs> it, it, it till it, you make it, but that only goes so far. Yeah, I mean it does work, but you got to at least have a little something, at least one, you know, right, to right. show you got it. But a lot of people don't understand. You, a lot of people don't understand that, especially when they're young. When you're young, I mean, I bet you like this too. Like when you're young, you believe like, oh, you can, you, you know, you're, you know how it is, you know what you're doing, and mm -hmm. yeah, if you believe in yourself, that's cool. I mean, that's I don't. There's nothing wrong with believing in yourself, and you yeah. can do it. But you have to have something to show that you are perfect, like professional, like what you're doing. Like, you believe in yourself, but you not only believe in yourself, you're actually taking it seriously and you have a big portfolio. Because I remember when you when you when we met, um, you showed me your iMac, you showed me all your music in your iMac Pro, and I was like, whoa, this guy was serious. Yeah, I actually have uh, this, and then I, actually, I, actually, I do a bunch of this stuff on the side, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was like amazed uh, on how much you had. I was like, jeez, <laughs> this guy ain't playing around. And that, it made me take you more seriously, you know. Thank you, I appreciate so that's that. That's cool. Yeah, no problem. Um, so what's your favorite thing to do when you aren't producing music or playing? Um, I like reading I like reading about like astrophysics a lot or like art and music history. Um I'm into like old Nintendo games, I guess. <laughs> like <laughs> Nintendo sixty four and Game Boys type stuff. But also like <laughs> decently into sports. So I think like I'm into shoes and stuff too. Like I think it'd be cool to start a fashion line someday. Or like design yeah. video games or something. <laughs> So would you like to do a clothing line or would you rather do game design? Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Because I was like, I, they're like... Totally different. Yeah. I guess... Oh, geez. That's, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. I can't definitively say one or the other. Yeah, I know. I know that a lot of artists, they always go to clothing line. But the downside about that is you have to worry about the taxes. And then when, if you sell Milan, you have to worry about taxes of where it's going and all this. Yeah. I, I started I started doing it. I used to be into that, too, which is cool. But then right. I, I was realizing how much it takes when it comes to taxes. And I was like, holy crap. But it yeah. is cool if you can do it. Like, you can sell. It's a new world now. Like, you can get people to make it for you for a cheap price. And you can sell it all online. And, like, uh, drop shipping, they call it. Yeah, and yeah. you can do it that way. But I've never heard of an artist that uh, wanted to make a game. You know, be a game designer or create games. Yeah, I've know. thought about like someday, like it'd be sweet to make video games like based on my music, and like where the where my music is like the soundtrack to the game, stuff like that. And, like you know, like you know, actually, I think um, Lincoln Park did something like that. Um, did they? I think they. Yeah, I think they did. Uh, it was a music video, but instead of it being a music video, it was a game, like an interactive type. Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, your guilt. I think it's called Guilty. Yeah. And they, it was like it was like some guy running in a in a three D world, and it was like it was it was like I've never seen something like that before. So when the moment you said that, that sounds like something you would do, you know? <laughs> yeah, I have to check that out. It seems 
It's interesting. <laughs> it is. Uh, what were you saying? I'm, I'm sorry. I cut you off a bit. I think just the idea of like an app or something like where it's like a something something that takes like the music to a new level. Like I've thought about like doing music stuff where it's there's like virtual reality that goes along with it too. Like building like a video game that's like virtual reality so you can like explore the music if that makes sense. I don't know how I'd even go about doing something like that because that's so like abstract and yeah. I mean, crazy, I can see but... that now that VR is slowly getting getting advanced, very freaking slow. <laughs> um, but I can see something like that. That would be pretty intense. It actually reminds me of someone actually trying to make a. It was a Kickstarter and someone trying to make these headphones and it was almost like it was like a it was like a 3D living headphones and it's like you hear the music but it's like all around you and it's oh, like wow. you can almost touch it you know it was I don't I think it was a fail though because I remember a friend of mine actually invested in that and then all of a sudden there they dropped it but they were really really intense about it uh, I forget what it was called it was something like that but that seemed that be it probably because something like that is too hard to make you know. But it's a great idea, yeah. you know. Right. So when it comes to making music and all this and your personal life, how do you balance it? Not the best, I guess. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I feel like I've, I've always been, like, bad at school. And this is, like, when then, like, music's always constantly, like, bouncing around in my head. It's almost yeah. like malware on a computer. It's, like, it's hard to get stuff done when, like, <laughs> I have, like, musical pop-ups constantly in my brain. But... Oh, it's almost like you can't. I I can see how that uh, be distracted. That's that's a good thing, but it can also be pain. Oh yeah, it's it's a good thing because it's like I constantly am thinking about stuff, but then it's a bad thing when I actually have to do stuff that's not music. But (laughs) so um, when it comes to you perform on stage, like, and let's say you made a mistake, how do you go off and handling mistakes in your performances? I guess my initial reaction, like, a lot of times when I'd mess up, I'd, like, have a physical reaction. So, like, I'd either, yeah. like, make a face or something or, like, something else in my body language. But, like, in a way, I'm lucky that I have I have too many stuff, too much stuff, too much stuff to, like, keep track of, like, mm-hmm. when I'm performing. So that doesn't, like, affect me too much because, like, I have to sing, I have to, like, play guitar, conduct the band, all while, like, trying to perform and, like, be entertaining at the same time. So there's not much time or like mental space for me to worry about messing up so it's like it kind of just happens and i like continue just doing my thing it doesn't really affect me that much it's like it's like a basketball player like misses a shot and then just you know next time down the court just shoots again it's like there's not there's no time to to think about it right so when are you making an ep to it now or a new album right now i'm working on uh three new songs with my band okay um, I'm working on a solo poppy P. Nice. Um, which is gonna have that that like rap abstract song on it that we talked about. Yeah. Um, that's like prob- both of those are probably about halfway done. Should be done by summer. Okay. I'm also producing an EP with my girlfriend. Aww. Uh So that should also be done by summer. So I kind of have like three three wow. things I'm working on right now. Oh, make sure you take care of yourself, but it seems like a lot on you. Plus, you got school, too. Yeah, it's kind of, there's a lot of stuff I'm <laughs> constantly doing, but my, my band's coming out with, like, a new, a brand new fresh lineup for our summer run, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we're trying to take, like, our whole show, everything we do to, like, the next level. How so? 
Um, well, before we only had three members. So mm-hmm. there was a uh, drum, bass, and guitar. And I was the only singer. So this time around, we're adding uh, I have a new bass player, uh, rhythm guitar, and keyboard. And we're also going to use like live tracks to play with two. Mm-hmm. And then trying to get everyone involved singing. So kind of ah. expanding on every level. So there'll be backing vocals now. We should sound really, really tight and together through the backing tracks. And then with a keyboard player and a second guitarist, so it's like we can do a lot of the sounds that I do in the studio that we couldn't do because we didn't have the people before. Because if I would like do multiple guitar tracks on a song, it's like we couldn't we couldn't do all of them because I'd be the only mm. one playing them. Yeah. So now that we have additional people, we can we can make the the live show you know more colorful because like have all the keyboard parts that I do that we couldn't do before, have multiple guitar parts do all the vocal harmonies that I do. So I'm excited about that. I think that'd be really, really it fun. sounds intense. Really cool. So yeah. uh, what would you call the album? Mm, I'm terrible at naming <laughs> things. I usually don't do that to like literally the last second when people <laughs> ask what's this song called. And I just think of something. Um, I, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> So I, i'll be honest i yeah i don't think about this stuff at all and i probably should because it's important just, you should just call it tba just call it tba i could or just album <laughs> i am artist this is album here is song yeah the name self-titled is. album <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so, so now it's time for some out And now it's cut it tied from a word from our sponsors. Outside the box questions. So if I was to turn on your iPod right now, what are five artists or songs that I would see recently played on your playlist? Say Pink Floyd. Okay. Kanye West. Oh yeah. Uh, Prince. Ooh. Bruno Mars. Oh, El Hensio. Oh, my God. And uh, there's this dude, Bill Wirtz. He's like a YouTube guy that does all these crazy, like, jazz pop things. Oh, that's that's interesting. Was yeah, it this Bill Wirtz. Wow. Never heard of him. Yeah, he's what, kind of interesting. underground indie-ish thing. But... There's a lot of good underground artists these days that, are very, uh, that have a very, very unique sound. Like, there's yeah. this one artist. Uh, he's an underground artist called Second Chance. I don't know if you heard of him, but like mm-hmm. he's like uh he's a rock singer slash country singer slash hip hop artist. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it sounds it sounds pretty like what the hell? It, so- it sounds like a cluster, but like when you hear it, it's actually pretty pretty good. I remember yeah. he actually did like um when the movie Venom came out and when Eminem did that song called em- um, Venom. Yeah, uh, he actually did a cover of that song, and I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. "What the? Heck? It was it was actually pretty good." And then all of a sudden, he put at the end, "Who did better?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this guy's trying to go like um, Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> Don't do it." Oh no! <laughs> what did you did you hear? Deadshot. What about it? Okay, so like um, the battle between uh, Machine Gun Kelly and Eminem when they were going back and forth, they had, like um, diss tracks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think I about mean, them? Honestly, I thought Eminem's was way better. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'll give him 
props for being the first actual artist to actually try to go against him. Yeah. But the whole world knows that, like, that's where that's how he was born, my guy. So oh, yeah, there's no way. Battles and <laughs> yeah. And stuff. It's like cutthroat every night. <laughs> Dude, if you like don't have your game up for like one day, your like career is just over immediately. It probably basically is because I haven't even heard that much from Machine Gun MGK for a while ever since that. Honestly, yeah, that's the last thing he's even done. Yeah, like it's His almost stuff was like, like it was weak. It was like. Like wordplay was like kind of cute, but it was just like you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not. I don't know. That's all I took from that. I don't have a ton of opinions on that, but no, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying because I heard it. I thought it was okay, but then I when I heard uh, Eminem's uh, diss, I heard his track, and I was just laughing the whole time because it was just freaking genius. Oh yeah, he goes he goes hard. He doesn't. Uh. <laughs> there's nothing that he won't say. <laughs> for better or for worse, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, what is one thing people would be surprised to know about you? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe, like, I guess how, like, self-conscious I am about, like, music, like, stuff that I do. It's like I'm, like, it's kind of drives me crazy, like, hearing myself sing or, like, writing lyrics. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, I've, it's hard for me to, like, be proud of anything that I make that makes sense because I'm so like perfectionist and so like wanting to constantly outdo myself like I feel like I don't express that a ton like people the people that know me like know that's the case but not being able to like be proud of the stuff I do I guess uh, so you're very very uh, humble about it mm, I guess but it's not even intentional it's just it's like natural i'm just self-conscious about what i do so it's almost like you're uh introverted when it comes to your music like you keep it quiet yeah like i'm not super self-touting which i guess is probably not good for being an independent artist but you know i mean that's that's not a bad thing because i've noticed that a lot of artists like when they're on stage they're like a totally different person when they're off they're like yeah the quietest or um they're, they're not really they don't want to they don't really want to say it. they're like very humble like like john legend i think that's his name john legend like yeah, yeah. when he plays his music he's really really freaking amazing and then when he gets off stage he's just like very serious and it's like it's almost like he's very very quiet about it you know so he's very yeah, subtle yeah. you know so I, I think that would be you that's not a bad thing though you know yeah i don't see that being a bad thing that's just I think that's just natural, honestly. You know, you yeah. can't expect every musician, you know, they play loud on stage, you can't expect them to be more, you know, brag about it when they're off stage, you know, they're just a normal person, just like you and me. Right, know? right. So what superstitions do you believe in? I'm not sure, I don't know if it's like superstition, like with performing or like, mm-hmm. maybe it's like a theory, I don't know, but I feel like the less eye contact I make with people, like the, the, like the better I play, but also, like, at the same time, the more, like, outward I am, it's, like, mm-hmm. the more creative I am, like, in performing. So it's, like, a weird, like, paradox. It's, like, it's like you have to, like, find a fine line between wanting to feel comfortable and, like, wanting mm-hmm. to feel exposed in a way. Because it's, like, the pressure to deliver and, like, the pressure to one-up yourself each time is, like, what actually makes you better. Mm-hmm. But you want to feel comfortable enough to still, like, not, well, to still, like, enjoy it. Right. So I don't know if that's a superstition. Like, I mean, just like trying to figure out the subconscious levels to 
performing and stuff. I don't know if that's the kind of answer you want. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. No, that's interesting. It's almost like uh, when you, I think that's because like when you look at the audience, it's almost like you can engage with them more and like uh, you feel like, oh my God, she's got to look looking at me. I feel like I can do it. Oh shit, I can do this now. Yeah, you know? yeah. It like builds your confidence up. Right. Yeah. It was like most of the most of the performance stuff that I would do, mm-hmm. it would be like, because I would do this trick where I'd like I'd play guitar with my teeth, and it's like, what? yeah, I'd I'd, <laughs> if, uh, I'd 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 play guitar with my teeth at shows, or I'd play like behind my back, or I'd play with my hands upside down, like uh, crazy stuff. That's like oh really God. doesn't actually mean anything or do anything, but it's like it just looks different, and people like people think it's like hard harder than it is, but it's like. When I would do that stuff, it's like you always want to keep building the reaction. So when I'd like play a show normally for five songs and then like play with my teeth and then I'd see the reaction I'd get out of people. It's like once you go back to playing normally, that it's like that reaction goes away and it's like becomes it's like a short term addiction. Like during a show, you want to always see what you can do to get the next reaction out of someone. So it's like performance. That's what I mean by like being outward. And mm-hmm. like being trying to be aware of the reactions that you're getting, yeah. Because then it turns into like, it's like the pressure within yourself to want to keep getting more extreme reactions out of people by just doing stuff that's like ridiculous or stuff that someone's never seen before. That's freaking intense. I'll probably be like, I'll probably jump up and be like, "What? <laughs> what is this magic? You think I'm playing? I'm that. I'm that person." Yeah, the, like when you see, when you see a magician, like I remember when I was seeing this music, uh, muji- um, magician. Yeah, I was at my college at uh, that community college, and he was doing this thing, and I literally got out the audience and jumped, and I was like, waved my arms and like, "What is this magic? What is this? How <laughs> right. in the world did you?" I'll probably be me. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's like from the performance standpoint, it's like you got to have enough tricks to make sure that you can keep those reactions going like the yeah. whole time. Cause it's like once you once you pull out the one trick, like anything else you do that's yeah. less than that, yeah. like people are gonna be disappointed by. Yeah. So it's like you gotta. It's like becomes a competition, like with yourself, to like just keep mm. finding new tricks to keep people invested. Next one is to just lit, light your guitar on fire. You know, dude, Jimi Hendrix did that in like <laughs> 1969. <laughs> uh, Dude, I almost did that, but then... Uh, what? Oh, my yeah, God. I thought about doing that one time. <laughs> if I ever do that, I'll make sure there's a video of it. <laughs> I think, like, our photographer couldn't be there or something. So I was like, eh, I'll wait another time. And then it has to be, like, an outside show, so you don't accidentally, like, light the venue on fire. That would not be very good for <laughs> your reputation. So, oh, okay. What do you believe that everyone should try at least once in their life? I think I would say like deleting social media for a week or even like a day or anything like not going on your phone or like not going to the internet for a, like a specific amount of time or like like any external media I guess because I feel like if you can teach yourself to to get your satisfaction and your happiness yeah like from yourself and not from constant media like i feel like satisfaction and happiness should be self-sustaining and not fed by external sources you know so like i i did that myself like i deleted i didn't have instagram or twitter on my phone for probably six months wow it's like it's crazy how 
your perspective changes on like what's important or like what's not important it's like it just makes you more focused overall i feel like not that those things are inherently bad but i feel like getting to the point where they're not necessary because i feel like people rely on stuff like that a lot yeah the people that get upset over like not having enough likes on stuff or like yeah yeah that whole thing i think it'll also build like emotions like it'll, it'll make you more confident about yourself instead of subconscious about like oh no i'm not getting this i'm not getting this much likes oh no how come how come you know they said this about me you know so right there's really nothing about social media that really is gonna matter that mm. really matter like means anything in your life like getting the acceptance of other people really like holds almost no merit yeah i guess it's different if you're like an artist and that's how you make your living like <laughs> yeah yeah but, but like in, in your like daily life like how much does you know someone else's opinion on you like really change anything and also when it comes to even being an artist like nine times out of ten those aren't even real like they're just bots yeah you know yeah. like even right. our likes like they're not even like justin Bieber has like like over a million um followers and whatnot literally almost 50 percent to 70 percent of those are just bots they're not even real right right so yeah. it's, it doesn't and some of them they just have people paying they're like literally how they're hiring people to just comment on their stuff to make it's a psychological thing like if everyone's following if everyone's commenting about them then everyone's gonna want to follow and do right it too. yeah you know so half it's not even real yeah so. it's like that kind of thing's like not healthy to like the normal person yeah. and like day-to-day life yeah so what other skills would you like to master mm, i think it would be <laughs> it'd be like dope to be a, to like know how to be a hibachi chef a hibachi chef <laughs> Yeah, like just to like to have one of their like one of the hibachi kitchen like one of those grills like in your house one day, and just like you have people over and then all of a sudden you're just like going crazy with the knives and stuff. Wow, it's pretty. <laughs> just it use takes, it to entertain people. It takes a lot of talent because I ever um, going the uh, hibachi to on hibachi last uh, Valentine's Day and like um I was watching this guy like balancing this stuff like vegetables on his hat and he just threw it up in the air and let it land on the land on the on the grill and then put like oil on it and make it set on fire and make a freaking la- a lava of a, a volcano out of it and I was yeah it's like, crazy it's that's crazy it takes a lot of talent to do something like that but it also i mean i don't mind watching it but the, I, it kind of it kind of gets annoying out to all because it's like okay you've been doing this for 10 minutes now i'm freaking starving you know (laughs) this is cool it's cool but like i want to eat (laughs) yeah but that's it gets i think i I give a props for people that can do something like that like you you can anyone can really do it you just gotta go for it so you know yeah i've been like serious about it like i looked into like school for and everything (laughs) like culinary school for like six months or something you can you can just you could just you're in college so you can just go into a restaurant that does hibachi and they can teach you on, on there yeah, I think it'd be That's sweet. Yeah. yeah, you can make good money doing that too. Yeah. Finish your college tuition that way. <laughs> so let's say you were the last human on Earth. What would be things that you would do if you were the last person on Earth? Mm, dude, I used to like think about that all the time. <laughs> oh, snap. Okay. Like when I'd be bored, I'd be like, I would find like the coolest sports car possible and just go to like the nearest interstate and just max it out. <laughs> Like, that's what I'd do. I'd, like, break into a racetrack or something. Jesus. Um, after that, I'd probably go and, like, find a crazy palace somewhere and then just gather around, like, the coolest stuff possible. Like, the best cars and 
coolest shoes I could find or whatever. <laughs> Light skyscrapers on fire and just watch them. <laughs> this is what goes on in your head, okay. Uh, <laughs> there actually uh, was a TV show about that. It was on Fox, um, The Last Man on Earth. And yeah, I've never seen stuff about that. Yeah. It, it's it like it turns like... out he's not even the last person. It's like... There's like a bunch of weird stuff to that. I don't, I don't. I never actually watched it, but yeah, I saw it a couple of times. Uh, I saw a couple of seasons. It was actually pretty intense, and almost half the stuff you said was basically what they did. <laughs> I don't know what else there is to do. <laughs> like I'm just gonna. It's like you're not just gonna go about your daily business. <laughs> then you can go and bring into a new uh, mansion and be like, "Well, I want to play golf in here." <laughs> And break yep. every <laughs> people just whenever I ask that question, it's always people go straight to destruction or taking uh, <laughs> taking fast cars. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's like the, you don't you automatically go to whatever you can't do just in normal life. True, anything because there's like, like no rules too, yeah, so like, you can do like anything. Prohibited. That's like uh, automatically you jump to. Okay, so um, <laughs> so what bends your mind every time you think about it? Mm, probably astrophysics. Like, there's so much, there's so much crazy stuff to the universe. I don't know. Like, there's this, uh, there's this concept where like every dimension on a big enough scale folds into itself into like wow. the next dimension. What? So, imagine, yeah, it's weird. So, like, imagine a big enough two-dimensional world, like a flat plane, eventually uh -huh. bends under the mass of like its own gravity and becomes a sphere. So. The same thing would go for our like three-dimensional universe. So if space is actually infinite, it'll eventually fold into itself, and then the end will become the beginning, and the beginning will become the end. So there are tons of theories that like the expanding universe will mm -hmm. eventually like collapse upon itself, and then condense to a singular point, which is what happened at the start with the Big Bang. So That's theoretically, what, yeah. like the universe infinitely expands and then collapses, rebuilding itself each time. So like, there's just an infinite cycle to, like, universes collapsing and then expanding and then back and forth each time, like, rebuilding in a completely unique way. I mean, I could, like, go on a, about space stuff forever, but, you know, just a dumb guitar player. So I don't really know what I'm <laughs> talking about. That's freaking crazy, though. I could listen for hours, man. That sounds really cool. You should um, minor in um, astrophysics. <laughs> I, was always, like, I was always bummed that like in school like they were like like in high school they didn't have astrophysics classes and anything uh yeah i don't have time to try to write music and then also get like a phd so <laughs> <laughs> maybe like in a past life i was a yeah. scientist or something maybe i was galileo i don't know <laughs> oh so what's the hardest lesson that you've ever learned Hmm, I don't know if there's like any one specific <clears throat> thing that's like happened to me that's been like life changing. But I mean, I guess like having to deal with like existential stuff and then still wanting to like make music. Like in the back of my mind, I always have these like thoughts like, I don't know, I just like doubt the importance of music all the time, even though it's mm -hmm. like my whole obsession and like my life it's like i tell myself it's like oh music's not as important as like 
as like medical technology or something like like what i always convince i always tell myself like there's so many different things you could do that are more important in life and like that make more of a difference so i guess it's like that's a constantly like unfolding lesson <laughs> in a way because it's like i constantly think of new ways to like not necessarily like tear myself down but like doubt myself mm. so it's like constantly battling between motivating myself to be like what i'm doing is important and then being like well i could always just be a doctor and like what i'm doing is like literally important and like literally saves lives and literally has an impact on people whereas something like music's like that's not a direct or like not a concrete impact on someone's life it's like you can't you can't really judge or like gauge the impact you have on someone because right. it's like invisible you can't like it's not something that's like concrete yeah if that makes sense i don't know it's more like just constantly like trying to take stuff to the next level like to the extreme to mm -hmm. that like i always imagine my stuff that it's not at its best yeah. like i imagine that i can always do anything it's like something better so it's like i can't get fully behind it because i like i tell myself i can do better mm -hmm. so it's like a weird never-ending cycle of just having to just put something out because like there's a, there's a point where you just have to like do something and like you have to like release something because otherwise you're never going to do it because you can spend like infinite time doing anything i could spend you know weeks rewriting a song a million times but it, like at some point it just has to be finished right so. it sounds like um mj's uh, issue he had that predicament where like he was obsessed over like it has to be done this way no it has to be done like this it has to be done like this no we should do this again no we have to redo it it has to be done like this yeah um, there's like stories of him i think during the thriller sessions when they were recording thriller yeah he would like at the end of it i think they played the whole thing and he like broke down crying because he was like it's not good enough and they were like what are you talking about and then it like went on to be like the best selling album like ever so Oh my I, I well, think so. I'm not like a Michael Jackson expert, but I, I, mean, I think I read somewhere that that happened. Well, I don't want to surprise you because he was always a sensitive person. He always obsessed over like what was good, uh, what was supposed to be. He always stressed about like has to be the best for the fans because they made him who he was. So yeah, he always yeah. obsessed about even like when it came to his face, which I don't know how, how why he did that. His quote was he did the thing he did to his face for his fans. Which I don't know how doing what you did makes me feel better. It makes me feel bad right, for you. Right. Right. You know? So, um, yeah. I think somewhere around the line, like something like clicked to make him do that. I don't know. The nose thing I understand because he got it messed up when he did that Pepsi commercial. So I understand the nose job. But the rest <laughs> of his face, I don't get it. So, what would a mirror opposite of yourself, what, what do you think a mirror opposite, a mirror, <clears throat> let me try it again. What do you, what do you what do you believe a mere opposite of yourself would be like? Probably like an accountant, <laughs> someone that like loved math, <laughs> someone that like wore gray every day or like had a shaved head or something. I don't know. <laughs> Why would you say an accountant? Because I feel like that's the most anti-me thing that I could be. <laughs> <laughs> So we're actually uh, hitting the end of this podcast here, um, but I have one last question. Um, 
I've noticed that being that one person to stand out and be unique, pun intended, um, it's kind of stressful for people to want to step out to be like a musician or an entertainer, an actor, anything that's outside of the norm of that people believe is a dream, you know, yeah. and people are afraid to follow their dreams because of that, because we're basically taught that going up, sadly, that's just how the world is. Yeah. But what would you say to someone that's afraid to follow their dreams or to be, to stand out and be different from the rest and follow something that they feel is right, that is rightfully them, that is, that they feel that they are meant to do? What would you say to someone that's in that predicament that they, they're down themselves and to encourage them? Mm, I would say just like, just be aware and constantly think about what makes you, you and stay true to that. Like, don't let anyone else's opinions or expectations change who you are or what you want to do. Like, what a, one thing I, would, I used to do a lot was, like, I'd imagine what I would create if I lived on, like, Neptune or something. Like, all by myself. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was the only one doing it. Like, purely out of trying to entertain myself and make myself happy. Like, do something 100% based on what I want to do. Try not to have any outside or like vain motivations for that. That's what I would say is just do stuff completely for yourself. Because if you can't, like, you're never going to satisfy everyone else. And that's the one thing that people stress about all the times that they worry about what other people think. But, you know, yeah. as they say, like, you can't save them all, you know. Right. You know, you, you can't get everyone to agree with you. And, I, I remember I used to think about that too when I was little. I used to worry about what everyone thought. Even when it comes to your family, you know, you yeah. always worry about what our parents think and what's going to happen if I take this chance. But if you don't take that chance, you're going to go up to in your 20s, your 30s, wondering what, what could have happened if you did make that choice, you know. Yeah, you're right. You know, and many people, they make that choice when they're young and they're so happy, you know. They, they're, they're something that they didn't think that they could be, but just because they believe in themselves to do it, now they're actually doing what they can like any anything can be a dream job like selling stickers or yeah uh, right. etsy owner like I've, I've seen this one person she was a stay-at-home mom and made uh this stuff out of uh material and made clothing and now she has a multi-billion business just doing that and now she has her own company you know yeah so anything can happen as long as you believe in yourself and not worry about what other people think as you said you know but i thank you so much for being on this podcast telling your story and oh, thank you for having me yeah, man, it was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. But yeah, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for supporting this podcast and for listening. And always remember to be unique. This is Fernando signing off until we hit our next story. But I have one question asked for everyone that's in that predicament of wanting to follow their dreams. What's your story?